Hello there, and welcome to the Disney Parks Wanderer podcast. I'm your host, Emma Albertson, and thank you so much for joining me for episode number 10. I can't believe we're already up there at episode number 10. I hope you're enjoying the content as much as I'm enjoying putting it together. It's been a lot of fun. Today, I'm going to try and give you some tips on how to save money on a trip to Disneyland Paris. I know that any Disney trip is inevitably going to be expensive, but anywhere I can help you pinch those pennies, I will. Of course, there are methods that you can save way more money. It depends how much you're willing to suffer. That is not the point of this episode. I want to try and stay as true to the Disney experience as I can, just saving you money in sensible ways or ways that you may not have thought about. So without any more explaining, let's dive straight into it. first way that you can save a little bit of money on your Disneyland Paris trip without having to forego the experience is staying off-site but in a partner hotel. So Disneyland Paris has a list of partner hotels. There's about six or seven of those on this list. I have stayed in a few of them and I'm going to focus on the three that I liked the best as I don't want to vouch for something that I don't really know about. So the three that I have chosen are the Kyriad, Explorers Hotel and Disney B&B. All three of these hotels are in the same area in a place called Magni Longue and they have a kind of zone that's been cut off for all these different partner hotels. All of them are quite close together. Disney B&B, although it sounds like it could be Disney owned as it's got Disney in the name, really isn't. It's a brand of budget hotels in France called B&B and simply because of its location, they've shoved Disney in front of it. Explorers Hotel, I think is now owned by Algokin or something like that. I can't pronounce it, but it's had a few different owners over the years. And Kyriad, again, is a chain of hotels. So Disney B&B would probably be my top choice for value. It is quite basic. You're not going to get, you know, thrills and luxury. But for me, it was just what I needed. You're not often in your room that much when you go to Disney anyway. And they had the option to have five people in a room, which is nice if you've got a bit of a bigger family. They also have a really, really good breakfast buffet at the B&B Hotel. And for its price, you really can't beat that. However, if you want something that is themed. You don't want to get rid of that magical Disney bubble experience when you're in a hotel that's equally filled with a theme as the parks. Explorers Hotel is definitely the way to go. It's got a pirate theme, a treasure island, kind of adventurous theme. The rooms have been remodeled quite recently and they're really cute. They're red and blue. They have pirates throughout and they've got a really great pool. The pool has a dragon water slide and it has a splash zone. So if you want a swimming pool, that's also a really, really nice option. The nice thing about Explorers Hotel as well is that they're constantly adding. They have a couple of restaurants. They now have a 6D experience cinema. I'm not really sure how you can get 6D, but they have it. And they also have an option 
I mean, if it hasn't changed, this is since I last went, where they can open two rooms to kind of combine them with a door. So if you have a bigger family of maybe six plus, you can have your two rooms merged together so you can all stay together. So that's kind of nice as well if you want to go with a bigger group. Kyriad, again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it hasn't got a theme. It's pretty standard hotel, you know, white sheets, not much going on, but it's got a really good location, nice breakfast. And that's another bonus of all of these. They do have free breakfast included. And a lot of the Disney resorts do not. If you get a special package, maybe, but a lot of the time breakfast is another thing you have to take care of. So knowing that included in your nightly fee, you get a good breakfast for your family. That's another worry off your list and a lot of money saved. Also, all the partner hotels have free shuttle buses, just like the Disney resorts. So honestly, you've still got that perk, but you're paying less money for it. They're slightly further away, but it really doesn't make that much difference. Once you're sat on the bus and you're moving towards Disney, what's a few extra minutes? They're very regular. I think they're every 15, 20 minutes, depending on the time of day. But yes, you've got that as well. So there's no worries. And how do I get to Disney if I'm not actually in Disney? That's all covered. As well, some of these partner hotels also offer gift shops selling Disney merchandise, just like the Disney resorts have. So again, you do have that aspect of Disney right there under your nose. And most of the people staying in these hotels are of course people going to Disney. So you do still kind of have that vibe of happy families, excited children, which is always really nice, I think, so it adds to the Disney magic because you see the excitement in everybody else. Now just to do a quick comparison so you can see how much money you can save by using a partner hotel as opposed to a Disney owned hotel. So I chose a random weekend in February 2021 and I looked at a three night trip across a weekend. So I'm talking Friday through Monday. I put two adults and two children and here are the results. To stay in a three star resort hotel owned by Disney, so for example, Hotel Cheyenne, for that weekend, you can expect to pay around $203 per night, totaling at about $610. On the other hand, staying in a three-star partner hotel, this case is Explorers, as I told you, that's one of my favorite picks, you can expect to pay $98 per night, basically half the price. They're both the same amount of stars and they both have pretty nice themes. The only difference being one's not Disney owned, one is. Explorers Hotel still has a swimming pool, Hotel Cheyenne does not. They both have Disney gift shops and they both have the Disney shuttle service. So you can basically save yourself 50% by choosing a partner hotel. And also just to give you some perspective, three nights in the Explorers Hotel was coming out at $295 to spend one night in a four-star Newport Bay Club Disney-owned resort was $280 per night. So if you're willing to stay in a partner hotel, you can definitely save yourself some money. 
That said, there are lots of other options that are even cheaper if you're not willing to stay in a resort that has those perks, if you're willing to take the regional train. There's lots and lots of resorts and towns surrounding Disneyland Paris. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'm trying to keep it as close to the real Disney experience as possible. So I'm trying to save you money, but keeping as much of the magic as I can. The next thing to consider when you're trying to save yourself a bit of money for your Disneyland Paris trip are the types of tickets and when to go. So at the moment, Disneyland Paris has three kind of ticket brackets. They have the mini, which is about $70 per day for an adult and $64 per day for a child. They have the Magi, which is $94 for an adult, $86 for a child. And then they have the Super Magic ticket, which is $105 for an adult and $97 for a child. So what are the differences? Well, first of all, those base prices is just one park one day. I want to be clear on that. There are different levels if you want to get park hoppers. We're gonna focus on just one park one day. So Mini, is the one that has the most restrictions. It's basically off-season days between Monday and Friday. That's why it's the cheapest, because you've got the least amount of days you can use it. The next one up from that is Magi, and that's the one that lets you go on weekends. So Saturdays, Sundays, most of the year, except of course when there are special events and seasonal things. And that's where the super magic tickets come in. They're the ones that let you go whenever you want, which is why they have the heftier price tag. So what I'm trying to tell you from this is, If you have the flexibility to go Monday through Friday off season, you're going to save yourself up to $30 per ticket, which is going to add up and going to save you quite a fair amount. But I know that's not always possible. So if you need to go at the weekend or you want to go to a Christmas or Halloween event, you're probably going to have to be paying for the Magi or Super Magic ticket. Not to worry, there are still ways you can save yourself a bit of money. There are a few websites that I use to get my tickets because typically buying them directly from Disney isn't going to be your best offer. These two websites are English UK based, but even with the currency exchange, you still end up getting a slightly better deal. So it might be worth you looking on. The first one is Attraction Ticks, that's tix.co.uk. On there, you can often find prices that are a slight undercut of what you would get at the gate. Not by much, but every little helps. The next one is 365tickets.co.uk. They're probably the better as they often have deals that can be up to 20% off gate prices. So it's always worth checking those two out if you can't go for a mini ticket. As well as that, it's important to know the best times of the year to go because as well as it affecting the price of your ticket, as you've just found out, will also affect your experience and therefore the value that your ticket gives you. I mean, paying more money for a ticket and then being not being able to do as much, isn't that great? First of all, it's important to take into consideration school holidays. If you look up the European holidays, probably France, UK, Germany, they're probably not the best times to go as that's when lots of families from the different European countries will go. Americans might have a benefit here as the schools have slightly different holiday periods. I know that you break up a lot earlier in the summer than they do in Europe, so that little overlap could be quite a nice time to go. But also, 
In Europe, there tends to be more breaks in the year. We have longer at Christmas in the UK. We have half terms, which can be in May and October. So it's important to kind of be clued up on what holidays are going on and how that could affect the crowds. As well as that, if possible at all, you're going to want to avoid weekends because weekends are when Parisians come in. It's so close for them, they just hop on the train. It's always going to be busier at the weekend. So if you can go Monday through Friday, you're going to be doing yourself a favor because not only are you going to save money because you can get the mini ticket, but you're also going to have way, way less crowds. Another way to potentially save a chunk of money is making good decisions when it comes to dining. Now I know you could just say, well, let's not buy food at all within the Disney parks. Let's eat in our room. Let's bring snacks, etc." And yes, that is an option, but I'm trying to give you the best of both worlds. So you're still saving money, but you're still getting to enjoy Disney dining as I really do feel that that's a big part of a trip. So that said, here are a few tips. If you want to have a character meal, consider having a character breakfast instead of a lunch or dinner. Typically, a lunch or dinner menu is going to be pricier because there's more options for food and that's just generally how it is. If you got breakfast, you're still going to have the same type of interaction, the same time spent with the characters, but you're going to be saving a chunk of money off of your check at the end of the meal. So if that's a possibility for you, go for it. And I'd also think that if you book towards the latest period of time that they're still allowing breakfast, you could probably fudge it for an early lunch anyway. Another tip is to check out which restaurants have early bird offers. Okay, not many do, but some do, and they're really good options. A good example of this is King Ludwig's Castle in Disney Village. If you want to learn more about that restaurant, check out episode eight of my podcast because I do talk about it. But it's basically a table service restaurant at Disney Village. The menus in the evening can run you about 23 to 25 euros for an adult. If you eat before 5 p.m., they have an early bird menu, which will give you all the same things basically, but for 15 euros. So if you can have that flexibility to eat earlier and go out of the parks to go there, you're gonna get a table service meal for a quick service price. So that's a really nice way to have a really cool Disney luxurious experience for a lower price tag. Another tip is to take things from your breakfast buffet. Yes, it's a little bit cheeky, but honestly, loads of people do it and it's quite a good idea. So as I said, if you stay in a partner hotel, typically a breakfast buffet is included and they have lots of things to choose from. No one's gonna really notice if you slip an apple into your bag or an extra bread roll or a croissant. And it comes in handy as a snack throughout the day or a way to bulk out a smaller snack or meal. For example, at Casey's Corner in Main Street, USA, you can get chicken nuggets, you can get a hot dog, and if you have some crackers or a roll, you can pair those two together. You've still got a bit of Disney food, but you've also got the stuff from the hotel, so you're saving yourself money on bulking out the meal. 
Another tip is to go to Earl of Sandwich. I also talk about this in episode eight. It's one of my favorite places to grab food on Disney property. It's very reasonably priced and it's filling. For about $6.95, you can get a sandwich or a wrap or a salad. They have lots of different choices and fillings. So even if you ate there for every meal every day, you still be able to have a different option every time. They also do excellent meal deals for under 12 euros where you can get a drink, something sweet or salty and your sandwich or salad and that comes out as a really good deal I think personally. They also do soup there for a pretty cheap price. You can get a bowl of soup for $3.95. So if you grabbed yourself a bread roll at breakfast, look you got a meal right there for under five bucks. What more could you ask for? As for the rules of bringing food into the parks, the short answer is yes, you can, but within reason. Don't be coming in there with a cool box or a trailer full of food. Also, you're not allowed glass containers. You're not allowed those in any Disney park though. I feel like that is a rule. Of course, no alcohol either. But if you want to bring in some protein bars, a bag of crisps, you know, that kind of thing, that is 100% fine. And you can definitely bring yourself some kind of snacks to keep you going throughout the day. Another way you can save a bit of money is to get a children's meal instead of an adult's meal. If you're not super hungry or you don't have a big appetite, you can definitely do this. Of course, at table service, it's not gonna fly because they can see you, but on quick service, they don't know how many people you've got waiting outside, how many children you're buying for, so it's not really going to be an issue. And it means you can get a relatively decent meal for half the price that you would get normally. And finally, another thing you can take into consideration to save a bit of money is how you get there. Now, this is a pretty good hack, especially for people coming from America, as it's something that I often do when I go to visit home in England. So states and airports often, often vary their routes and they offer their prices as some are geographically closer than others to certain cities. When I go home, I usually fly to London. Now it's cheaper to fly to London from New York or other places on the East Coast. And oftentimes it is a lot cheaper for me to find my way to New York or those other cities and fly directly to London from there than it is to fly from this state in the Midwest. And it's the same rule applying for going to Paris. Find the cheapest state that flies to Paris and make your way there and then fly over that way. Or on the inverse, you can find the cheapest European city that your state flies to. And once you're in Europe, use a budget airline to get to Paris. In Europe, there are lots of budget airlines with really good prices. I'm talking EasyJet, Norwegian, Air Europa, Ryanair, just to name a few. And you can get tickets most of the time for around 50 or less, especially if you're going off peak, which means that you could end up saving yourself a lot of money just by making an extra stop once you're in Europe. It's definitely something to consider. Maybe it's an extra bit of hassle, but if your aim is to save money, I recommend this method as I always save myself money going home doing it that way, especially if you can be flexible. On the subject of transportation, once you get to Paris, make sure you're not taken for a ride and you take a cheaper way to get to the theme parks. Please avoid taxis, that's a big mistake. 
There are lots of shuttle services and coach services. They're more pricey, but if you want ease, you can go for those. But if you want to save money, your best bet is to take the train. There are metros, there are regional trains, they're called the RERs. Disneyland Paris has its own train station, so it couldn't be easier to just pull up straight into Disney and walk up the stairs and voila. So make sure you research the best way to get to the park from your airport and from your location because you can often find ways that are way cheaper if you think outside the box a little bit. And again, just to give you an illustration so you can see how beneficial this method can be and how it's important to shop around. I again chose a random week in February and I chose a random airport in the Midwest. I went for Cincinnati and I looked for Cincinnati to Paris. The first flight that came up is a direct flight with KLM and it costs $924 per person. That same week, if I instead flew from Cincinnati to New York, that would be $270 and then took a flight from New York to Paris. That cost me $295. I'm barely brushing on $550 to get to the same place. Yes, I had to book an extra flight and I have a layover, but I saved myself about $400 and that's gonna add up, especially if you're a family. So as I said, keep it in mind. I hope you enjoyed learning a few ways to save yourself a bit of money and that they are helpful to you. I know that they don't apply to everyone and everything's circumstantial, but I'm hoping that either way, you've got a few ideas you can try and use next time. Let's listen to my Disney fact of the day. the 1997 Disney film Hercules, when casting the voices of the Muses, the soulful singing group who narrate the story, Disney considered using British pop group the Spice Girls. I'm sure they were pretty huge all over the world, but if for some reason you're not familiar with them, you can go on YouTube and check out some of their biggest hits, such as Spice Up Your Life and Stop. You'll be able to see that it was a very, very different vibe to what we currently have in Hercules. So it's a very interesting thought to see how that would have played out. That sums up today's episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that it was useful. As always, if you want to get in touch, if you want to share an experience you've had, a trip you've got coming up, a trip in the past, any tips, any Disney Imagineering ideas, please feel free to write into DisneyParkWanderer at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and until Monday and until next time, stay curious.